0: Life is all about um, making choices. In many ways, life is all about making choices every day. And every choice that you and I make has consequences some little choices, some big choices, but every choice leads to consequences. What would you say was the most significant and life changing choice that you have ever made? It may be, after you've, uh, we've heard God's word this morning, it might surprise you to say, well, I didn't think that was going to make a huge difference. The, the account this morning, from Luke chapter 10, is all about choices. And the surprise of the passage is not, it is, Jesus isn't contrasting a bad choice versus a good choice. He's actually drawing attention to a good choice versus the best choice. As you know, on on Wednesday we shared uh, our vision to become increasingly a disciple-making church, a church that makes disciples to the glory of God in the power of the Spirit. Let me give you a theological question to ponder What makes someone a true disciple of Jesus Christ? What is at the core and centre of their being? What is at the heart of a disciple? The essence of this passage teaches us that true discipleship is literally forged into the character by the choices we make. Every one of us faces the same choice every day. And it is just this. How much time, if any, am I going to devote today to getting alone with the Lord and his word? Someone has said it is who you are alone before God is who you are and nothing more. To be a committed disciple of Jesus Christ in private when there is none but God who sees is the bedrock of true Christian discipleship. Here we have a very ordinary situation where, as you can see from the passage in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village, probably Bethany, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. During Jesus' visit, a storm in a teacup literally blows up because Martha is in the kitchen getting stressed out by all the work required to prepare a meal whilst Mary is, verse 39, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha's temper flares up, verse 40, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus gently rebukes Martha and commends Mary. Here's the thing, both sisters love the Lord. And the Lord loves both of the sisters. Both the sisters, Martha and Mary, live to please him. Both have very busy lives and commitments that take up their time. Whilst Martha is driven along by them and mastered by them, Mary, on the other hand, chooses to order her priorities by choosing to sit, take focused time out in her busy day by sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. That's the point of the passage. This is where the rubber touches the road. We all face The same choices we get up every day. We are either going to be driven along by the daily stream of duties and commitments or we are going to plant our feet against the flow and choose to take time out and sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Let's walk through the passage this morning and think about Mary's choice and Jesus' response. Sorry, Martha's choice and Jesus' response, Mary's choice and Jesus' response, and then Jesus' choice and your response. Martha's choice and Jesus' response. As we said, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Let me give you a quick bio, uh, overview of Martha. So that you, and I want you to think about what I'm going to say in the context of do you see yourself in any shape or form in Martha? A quick bio of Martha, just to see if any bells ring or you start to recognize anything of yourself in the mirror of God's word. Number one, Martha was a leader. A woman named Martha opened her home, her home, to him. In fact, whenever we meet Martha, and I do believe it's the same Martha that was recorded in John's Gospel in John 11 and, and, and 12, Mary, Martha, and, 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 and the other person in the, in the story, as we'll see later, is, is Lazarus. Whenever we meet Martha in the New Testament, she's always taking the lead. It seems that she has control of the household finances, she's an organiser, and she makes the decisions. She is a natural leader. And here's the thing. And she wants to use her leadership gifts to serve the Lord. That's very commendable, is it not? Are you a Martha? Are you involved in leadership? Are you involved in ministry within the church? Are you committed to serving Christ with with your gifts and your talents? Uh, Let me just say, if that's you... This will be this passage. This message well could well be a bullet with your name on it. She was a leader. She was distracted. Verse forty. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and the cause of her distraction was all the preparations that had to be made they were the must haves in her mind they were the priorities in her mind all the things that had to be made the preparations that had to be made and she was serving the lord whatever that meant it was evidently too much for her just on her own that's why she was distracted she'd she'd cut off she'd, she'd bitten off more than she could chew literally <laughs> and she got distracted Have you you ever had such a lot on your plate that you can't think straight? That there's just so much to do and not enough time to do it. And you feel distracted. You just can't get your act together. Because, it goes on to say, she was worried and upset. She was a leader, she was distracted, she was worried and upset. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. The word worried literally means at its root to be divided, to be pulled into pieces, to be pulled in every which direction. The word upset is literally used to describe a cork that is dropped into the water of a fast-flowing stream and just taken along. The cork has no choice. The river determines where the cork is going. That's what the word upset means. Martha, you see, is being pulled in all directions and being driven along by the circumstances that are totally outside of her control. Why? Because of the choice she made in all the preparations that had to be made. She'd made all the preparations, all the things that she'd planned, all the work that she was going to do for Jesus. They were essentials in her mind. They were, they were must-haves. And many of us think, many of us think, Christians that have been got many miles on the clock, even, even with so many miles on the clock, even in so many years of loving and adoring Jesus, some of you think... That disciple, being a disciple is doing things for Jesus. That is not what Jesus teaches here. Verse 42, and I think the way the earlier NIV translation presents it, but only one thing is needed. Verse 42, only one thing is needed. So let me ask you again, are you a Martha? What are the telltale signs? The text shows there are three. Let me just highlight the three Martha type characteristics to see if your heart chimes in. Do you get stressed? Do you get stressed? Do you get literally worried and upset when your plans and service for the Lord comes apart at the seams? everything that you've planned to do for the Lord and it just it, it feels like a bomb's gone off under it and it's just gone to pieces. Do you get worried and upset when you're blessed, the best laid plans of your serving the Lord have come apart at the seams? Martha did. Look at verse 40. Do you get frustrated by incompetent people who won't get with the program and fall in line to help you? realize your plans Martha did she said to Jesus tell her to help me I think some of you are by the way I've, I've read some of the emails some of the Martha type emails frustrated by incompetent people who won't get with the program tell her to help me verse 40 do you ever get suspicious of the Lord's care when your prayers go apparently unanswered. Martha did. Look at verse 40. Lord, don't you care? You see, Martha was a deeply committed and ambitious and active in what she believed was true discipleship. But when a crisis came, she literally starts to fall apart. But Jesus shows her his deep deep affection let me just say this as a as a by the way whenever you see this double naming in the scriptures that's what we see don't we in verse 41 Martha Martha whenever there is double naming in scriptures in the scripture it always always denotes the deepest love and affection from the person saying it When David was heartbroken over the death of his son Absalom, he literally broke down and wept, Absalom, Absalom, my son. When Jesus was dying on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Whenever Jesus gives double name, as he does here, Martha, Martha, he is pouring out his deep love and affection for her, and that's why he's gently and lovingly showing her, Martha, you are not truly serving me with this preparation, this meal that you're preparing, but you're serving yourself. And when others let you down, even the Lord Jesus himself gets the rough end of a tongue on the outside. She is remarkably busy. Martha's are remarkably busy people with the church programs and the events. But on the inside, they tend to be very dry and empty and anxious. Why is that? Because as Jesus pointed out, she had missed the one thing that is needed. So let's think about Mary's choice and jesus response verse thirty nine she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said jesus response forty two Martha has chosen what is better, and it will be not and it will not be taken away from her. so let's look at Mary and see what the Lord wants us to learn from her example she chose verse forty two Mary has chosen. What that means is it starts with you. It's it, Your life, your day is determined by the choices that you make in the everyday round of life, which I guarantee, just like Mary, just like Martha, just like me, just like you, our, our day is full of must-do things. There are things you must do, and you know you must Do them. So, But in the midst of this stream of commitments and deadlines, Mary said in her heart, there is one thing that is non-negotiable. There is one thing I will not give up. That is focused, uninterrupted time with Jesus. So verse 39, she sat at his feet what does it mean to sit at Jesus feet when you look at that as a theme that runs throughout the Bible it shows in two ways the Bible throughout shows that to be seated at the feet of someone means to be in a place of submission either compulsion in the case of his enemies or like Mary By joyful choice, sitting at Jesus' feet is always a sign of a true disciple. Willingly, joyfully, voluntarily, choosing to sit at Jesus' feet is the mark that Luke draws out of a sign of a true disciple. When Jesus healed the Gadarene demoniac in Luke chapter 8, What do we read? He was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. He was sat at Jesus' feet because he became a true disciple. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet because before it is a posture of the body, it's a posture of the heart. By sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary acknowledged him as her king, as her Lord as the sole treasure and joy of her life, her master. And so she willingly, delightfully, voluntarily, against the flow of the huff coming out of the kitchen, decided to plant her feet and sit at Jesus' feet and willingly submitted all of her life to him. That's what it means to sit at his feet. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. When you read your Bible, and I hope you do, when you read your Bible, do you come to it submissively and dependently or do you put on your 21st century filter glasses and filter out what God says? Do you use your own interpretation or do you let God's word change you and submit to God's word? When God puts his finger on things in your life, that he wants you to fix and deal with, do you airbrush that out? Or do you actually stop and pray it through and resolve by God's grace to repent of the sin that he's put his finger on and by God's help kill it? You see, Mary submitted her heart, her mind, and her will to him because she chose to sit at his feet. It's the only way and she listened to what he said. Verse 39, she was listening to what he said. The NIV translates it listened, listening. The New King James says she heard his word. Heard is a better translation, I believe, because it includes the idea that she understood and she perceived the sense of what Jesus was saying. I I have no doubt that you've been in conversations where you've been talking to someone, maybe in a one-to-one, and you can see that their eyes are not in the game. They're just not with you. Um, By the way, I'm guilty of that. Shell has said to me, hold on, did you hear what I just said? Oh, God. No, it's possible, you see to actually be in the same room, but not in the same room. It's possible to even read your Bible with your phone banging out messages and the the latest WhatsApp group popping up and telling you, I've just changed my underpants, or something or other, has just popped up and you're distracted by it because you're not focusing on what Jesus has to say. She heard what he said. She perceived. Why? Why did she perceive? This is so important. Because as well as submitting her heart, which we've thought about in her sitting, she committed time. She committed time. It wasn't just five minutes with Jesus in the morning and make it right all right. This was unhurried time that she chose to spend sitting at Jesus' feet. I was once told of a, a person who'd been through Bible Seminar, and he, he said one of the things that struck him, there was a, a Bible teacher, and he got the seminary students to do this exercise. And he got them all as students. I said, all I want you to do for the next half hour is look at Mark chapter 1, verse 17. I want you to spend 30 minutes looking at that verse. And then at the end of the 30 minutes, I want you to share with the rest of the class one or two things that struck you. And I want you to tell us when did that penny drop? Did the penny drop in the first five minutes at looking at that verse or in The first 10 minutes or 15 or 20 or 25. And the stunning thing, when he went around the class and the students shared what they had seen, the most stunning things, the most breathtaking things were seen after 20 minutes. (laughs) Time, you see. Here's an assignment, if you're tracking with this in the home groups. Let me give you some homework. You can do this whether you sign up for a home group or not, but it would work better if you are in a home group, even on this thing called Zoom. I'd like you to spend 30 minutes on your own this week just looking at Luke chapter 9, verse 35. Let me read it to you. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, Whom I have chosen, listen to him. Spend 30 minutes just looking at Luke 9.35. Write down your thoughts and then share with your home group when you meet what you saw and what you learned from that verse and when the penny dropped. Will you do that? She listened to what he said. Why did she perceive? Because she took time. What did she perceive? She grasped, I believe, Jesus' choice, and that melted her heart and transformed her love. That's why Jesus said, "It will mean never, it will never be taken away from her," because Jesus' word is eternal. When he speaks. His word into your soul, as Mary experienced, it will never be taken from you. I do believe, and let's move to the next point, that she grasped what Jesus' choice was. It is clear from Luke's account that the shadow of the cross is looming larger and larger in the narrative. We're not told what Jesus said in this passage. But I would think it would be a very, very reasonable and logical assumption, based upon the narrative and the context, that Jesus was speaking about his impending death on the cross. We get that because there's been a shift in the, in the narrative. And it, it, it's after, it, it, it comes in, ver, in chapter 9. It, it comes, there's, it's, it, like all other gospel, it, it, there's a shift here. In Luke chapter 9, pick uh, out verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were, were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Penny dropped, God's Messiah. Boom. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. he started explaining to his disciples, I am going to go to Calvary. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James and John are with him, Luke 9 Twenty-nine, thirty-one. as he was praying the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning two men Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus they spoke about his exodus his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem all heaven knows what he is about to do and Moses and Elijah the representative, representation of the law and the prophets are now speaking to him from heaven in the presence of Almighty God about what he is about to do at Jerusalem. Luke 9, 51. At that time, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That was the choice he made. That was the choice in the eternal council of the triune God before the foundation of the world. Jesus chose to go to the cross. He is the lamb that was slain from before the foundation of the world. And that will be the theme of the praise of God's people from this moment on and from a billion years from now. The lamb upon the throne that was slain on Calvary. 10.38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. I have no doubt that in that living room, Mary chose to sit and listen to Jesus speak about his voluntary choice to die as her substitute on Calvary. And her, when she heard the choice that he had made for her and for all who had put their faith and trust in him, it literally melted her heart. And the word that she heard led her to become a true worshipper of God. If we fast forward, I do not think Luke 10 and John 12 are the same account viewed from different perspectives. I think when you, if, you if you fast forward to Luke to John chapter 12, we now have literally Jesus six days before the Passover. John 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair Listen to what Jesus says. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. The disciples didn't get it. The Messiah cannot die. But the Messiah must die, must suffer many things, and only one human being on the planet apart from Jesus got it, Mary, because she chose to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word and allow his word to speak into her soul. She poured out literally her life savings. All that she had, this, this jar of perfume, was her legacy. It was everything she owned. And she poured it out on Jesus as a, as a, as a commemoration. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You see, because Mary chose to sit at his feet and chose to listen to his word, it transformed her entire life and made her a worshipper. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in your private life. So what choice are you going to make now? Are you going to allow yourself to be distracted by your endless have-to-do list like Martha? That's a choice. Or are you going to choose to organize your priorities and take unhurried, focused time every day sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary and be absolutely melted and transformed when Jesus shares with you the choice he made to save you? For time and for eternity. So what is your response as we close to Jesus' choice to go to the cross? Let us pray.